Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Are you all ready for me to do this? I have practiced it on my prayer walk, and it only takes me about 85 minutes. You all ready? No, I'm kidding. I practiced it on my prayer walk, and I did it in a half hour. I should be able to do it with you now. But depending on your amens, your responses, or your lack of response may determine the length of this sermon. We have to get the heart of Paul to understand chapter 2, verse 10 today. We've been going verse by verse through the whole book of Ephesians starting in February 2017. We are going to continue this to 2040 by, by the time we get done, and it has been an enjoyable journey. And so there are good times like today to summarize what you have learned. And I hope that you are continuing to read or listen audio-wise to the entire book of Ephesians every week. I've been doing it, and as a pastor, it has blessed me tremendously every single week listening to the book of Ephesians or reading it. Sometimes I'll just take the passage. It is such an encouragement. But you got to have a, a devotional life to do that. you got to actually read your Bible outside of church on Sunday to do that. How many do that? Okay, amen. So then it should be no problem if you're already reading your Bible an hour every day because you wouldn't put an hour in Facebook without putting an hour in God's book, right? So if you're already reading your Bible an hour every day, that's seven hours a week. It shouldn't be a problem to read 20 minutes worth of Ephesians, right? Everybody say, no problemo, Pastor. Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to see in bold here, in Christ Jesus or in him throughout this passage, that is where we get the name of the sermon series. So as we're speaking on the book of Ephesians, I wanted you to have a theme for the whole book. The theme is in him. Everybody say in him. Thank you. And then I've been taking it verse by verse and giving you different messages. Messages. So today what I did was it bold all of the in him or in Christ in this passage that you have already covered. Those of you who are new, this is all review. You can go back online and literally hear a message on each one of these portions in verse 1. I have five verses, I, uh, five sermons just on verse 1. They're online. Paul, he's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He once was a Jew that was persecuting the Christians. He studied under Gamaliel, but he was converted as the resurrected Christ came and visited him. There were 12 original disciples. Judas took his life. There was 11, and Jesus wanted to replace him with Paul. The apostles wrote letters to the churches that they then started after Jesus ascended to heaven. Those letters are called epistles. Apostles write epistles. Are you all with me? There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There is one historical book, the book of Acts, and then there was one prophetic book, the book of Revelation. Everything between Acts and Revelation are epistles by apostles, and the majority are written by Paul, who used to be a persecutor of the early church. He now says, I'm an apostilion. I am an apostle in Greek of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Paul knew God's will for his life, and that was to be a church planner. An apostle was someone who went around and started churches. The original apostles were the ones who wrote epistles and scriptures, but there are still living apostles today, like myself and my wife, who do the work of planting a church. And you can look in Romans chapter 16 and you'll see Junia and Andrew Nikes were a married couple that were outstanding among the apostles. And so there were other apostles other than the originals, but the apostles who knew Jesus and wrote epistles, they were the ones inspired with the word of God. So Paul had a special place as an apostle. He knew the will 
of God. The application for you right here is do you know the will of God for your life? How would you introduce yourself to me today? My name is Nicole. I am a social worker by the will of God. Hello, my name is Amy. I am a stay-at-home mom by the will of God. Hello, my name is David. I work with a, a garbage company for the will by the will of God. Are you working your job by the will of God? It doesn't matter whether or not you're servicing the community, whether or not you're working at home. It doesn't matter what job you have, occupation that occupies your time. It should be by the will of God. Can I hear an amen? And then on top of that, you should have a place in this church by the will of God. I am a deacon by the will of God. I'm a 101 student by the will of God. I'm a 201 student. I am a disciple by the will of God. I help in the youth ministry by the will of God. I go to the Friday adult Bible study by the will of God. I see the will of God from my house to God's house. Can I hear an amen? To God's holy people in Ephesus. Now that word there in the Greek, holy people, hagios, is saints. The modern word is holy people. Saints are not just those who die and went to heaven. They're alive. They're in this place called Ephesus. Now Ephesus was a pagan Roman city, a metropolitan city that was known for its pagan shrines. It had huge pagan shrines that would be equivalent to our Disney World. And as people will travel to go to Disney World to do all the activities, they traveled there to do their pagan worship for the the goddess Diana. She was a female goddess named Diana, and they worshipped her, and they also practiced temple prostitution with the female priestesses that worked there. They were a rowdy bunch. They were like a New Orleans bunch, a partying bunch of pagans. If you've ever been to a Mardi Gras, I've been to 12, that's what they were like, but God saved them. So they went from being unholy to holy. They went from being ain'ts to saints, and they were the faithful in Christ Jesus. So how do you get changed from being an ain't, a sinner, to a saint. How do you get changed from being unfaithful to faithful? By being in Christ Jesus. Everything you're going to learn in the book of Ephesians is positioned in Christ Jesus. So imagine if your uncle was uh, Bill Gates and he owned all of Microsoft and he said, as long as you are in relationship with me, you have what I have. Would you ever want to get out of relationship with Gates? Come on, you'd be inviting him over to everything. You'd make sure you send him your thank you notes for Christmas, you'd do everything proper and buy the book for him because you want to stay in relationship. In relationship with Christ, I'm holy. In relationship with Christ, I can do all things because he gives me strength. Are you listening? And you need to be in Christ just like the people of Ephesus were in Christ. If they can do it, you can do it. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The common greeting at that time was peace. The, the, the Jewish people say it like this, shalom aleichem. Everybody say shalom aleichem. That is Hebrew, for peace be upon you. The Muslims imitated this. By the way, if you want to know what Islam is, Islam is a combination of Christianity, Judaism, and local paganism. That is how they got their traditions. The Muslims say in Arabic, assalamu alaikum. Everybody say, assalamu alaikum. This is a Christian greeting as well, but we add one component other than just peace. We add grace, because without the grace of Jesus Christ, you can't have real peace with God. Think about that for a minute. If Jesus didn't die on the cross for your sins, you can't have forgiveness and real peace with God. And how does it come? It comes from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will notice that Paul always uses those terms, God for the Father, Lord for Jesus Christ. A sassy Jehovah Witness may now tell you that that means Jesus is not God. Well, then that would mean the Father is not Lord, and that's their sacred name of Jehovah. So you can just twist it on them real quick. If Jesus is not God, then the Father is not Jehovah. But this is just Paul. 
Paul's terminology because it goes back to Deuteronomy. It goes back to the Shema where they said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. The Lord thy God. Everybody say, the Lord, which is Yahweh, really. Better translation of that is Yahweh than Jehovah. Everybody say, the Lord is thy God. So when they're giving the title of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, both encompass the one God of Israel. These are just two different titles for who they would worship as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so you'll notice the Trinity will be coming up quite often in this book. And so it's always great to look for the references where the Father is mentioned, Jesus is mentioned, and the Holy Spirit. Let's go on now to the verses 3 and onward. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Somebody say amen. See, this book was meant to be read in one sitting. They were meant to hear it every time they got together. They didn't have the whole Bible yet. If you're a Christian in Ephesus, what do you have? Just the letter that Paul wrote to you and possibly the Gospel of Luke because Luke was Paul's traveling companion and Paul asked him to gather up all the information from the disciples to have a unique Gospel so he could drop it wherever he was at. We see that Paul went to preaching right here. He goes from his introduction to starting to praise God. How many have things to praise God about today? This is what Paul praised God about. He praised God that now we were blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And so right now, spiritually, the people of Ephesus are in Christ. That's what Paul is saying. I know your holy backside is sitting right here, probably on the floor, he's saying, but I know that your spirit is in heavenly realms with Jesus. And we talked about that before when Jesus prayed, prayed, taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that there is an intersection of heaven and earth through your your transdimensional spirit, amen? Your spirit is transdimensional. It is here in a physical body, but it is also in Christ in a spiritual realm called heavenly places. And there you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Your spirit is a doorway for the things of heaven to come in you and through you to the things of this world. If you think I'm making it up, then read your Bible again. He's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells elsewhere in Corinthians. And so now we know that where the Holy Spirit is, God is. And where God is, all spiritual blessings are. Are you listening? It says he chose us. I said, are you listening? Y'all ain't bored with the Bible, are you? You know, I notice a lot of preachers start off with stories. Well, I was hanging out with my kids one day, and then this happened. You want me to tell a 15-minute story in one Bible verse? Is that what we want today? Well, pastor, you know, I just like it when you make me laugh. Am I a comedian? Because I'm looking at some bored faces here today. I am reading to you the unadulterated, undefiled, inerrant word of God. Are you listening to the word today? Are you hearing it today? Let it saturate your mind. Let it brainwash you. Let it wash your brain today. 
For he chose us in him. Somebody say in him. Thank you. Before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Too often people think that they are not holy even after becoming a Christian. Too often people get it twisted and start thinking about themselves as this image right here. Oh, God's just working on me. I'm coming out of my shell. I'm 50% saved now and I've been saved for 20 years. I'm just coming out of my shell. Is that what the Bible says? No, he says he predestined you to be holy the moment you got saved. He predestined you to be blameless the moment you got saved. The moment you get saved, you are a new creation in Christ. Is there spiritual growth in Christ? Yes, but there is not a further forgiving. There is not a further washing. There is not a further transformation of the image of God. The image of God is given at salvation. Are you holy and are you blameless, yes or no? That's what you need to be because that's what Christ said he made you to be. Look back at what Paul said right there. He said he predestined us. That means he had a plan before we were ever born that we would be made holy and that we would be made blameless. Look at it right here. Before the creation of the world. When did he do this? Before the creation of the world. When did he do this? To be holy and blameless. Are you holy and blameless? And if I'm holy and blameless in the sight of God, it doesn't matter what you think. Now, you can help me to live holy by showing me the word of God. But God doesn't see my past. He sees my present, and I'm in Christ today. Not a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that was given to me by Christ. I am blameless. I am holy. I am perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. I am holy as he is holy because I am in Christ today. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That all automatically tells you that if you needed to be adopted, then that automatically tells you you were an orphan before you were adopted. Now, I'm going to say a King James word, and I don't want you all to get scared. It's the word bastard. It's a King James word. You can find it in Hebrews chapter 12. And what that means is you are abandoned by your father. You were left as a bastard child. And the Bible says that's what the devil did to us. In the Garden of Eden, we made a choice to abandon our heavenly father in relationship with him and follow that service. But the moment that we did, we found out he was a bad father. He didn't want anything to do with us. He didn't want to take care of us. He wanted to steal, kill, and destroy us and use us as pawns against the great cosmic battle he had already started with God. Are you listening? And so though the devil may do you a little favor here and there by blessing you on your job when you miss church on Sunday and giving you a little extra money when you don't give your tithes, and he'll have everybody be your friend when you affirm same-sex attraction and think abortion is just a choice instead of a genocide, you may find that things in this world go well for you just for a little bit, but you are heading towards destruction, and he is deceiving you. And the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but in the end it leads to death. But God predestined to adopt us, to take us from the bastard father of the devil, to take us from that wicked orphanage. He predestined us for it. But going back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, but it's for those who are faithful in Christ. It's for those who choose Christ. So this is the chance for you to be like the orphan Annie and to be chosen. But you don't have to tap, dance, and sing to be chosen. You get chosen not based on your human potential but based on God's love. But here's the deal. Everybody look up at me. Jesus said, many are called but few are chosen. 
That means he asks every one of you, do you want to come home and be with me? Do you want to be in my family? Do you want to accept the adoption? But now you have a choice to stay as a bastard child of the devil in the orphanage of death and destruction or to come home with Abba Father. Can I hear an amen? How many have chosen Jesus today? And he does that, the Bible says, according to his pleasure and his will. It is God's pleasure and will to save us. He does this to the praise of his glorious grace. Everybody say grace up in your face. And he gives it freely in the one he loves. There is a key adjective that you need to learn here, freely. Not only does Christianity have free grace that separates us from Islam that must earn their grace, praying five times a day, towards Hinduism that must be reincarnated over and over and over in an endless karmic cycle of trying to become one with Brahma. Not only are we different from the works-based religion of Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam, but the free grace of God stands in opposition to the offshoots of Christianity. In Catholicism, it is not free grace. It has to be administered by the priest weekly in mass through transubstantiation. It may seem like a little difference, but it's not if you check in. Jesus is always on the cross in the Catholic Church because Jesus must always be sacrificed again for you to receive forgiveness in those moments in mass. That is why the communion is transubstantiated. It's changed into the literal body and blood of Jesus. That is a religious jig that they created to keep you attached to the priesthood of the Roman Catholic Church to have their forgiveness. And that's why they came up with indulgences where you had to pay for your family members in purgatory to get out of hell. This is not real grace. It's imitation false grace. God's grace is free grace in the one that he loves. That's why Mormons will miss the kingdom of God because they don't have free grace. They have to pedal their bike and earn their way to the different levels of heaven. They have no assurance of their salvation. Jehovah Witnesses have to knock on your door, hand in time cards. They have no assurance of salvation. Christianity, the biblical faith taught by Paul the apostle, is the only religion known to mankind that teaches free grace. Free grace. Everybody say free grace. It cost Jesus everything, but it is free for us. Can I hear an amen? He came from heaven to earth to die for our sins. In verse 7, in him we have redemption. Now listen to him go on about what, what happened in the cross, on the cross, and for our salvation. In him, notice that again, in him we have redemption through his blood. Remember, it's free for us, but cost him his life. The forgiveness of sins. Should sins be taken lightly as a Christian if it costs Jesus his blood to forgive you of them? Literally, think about that. If you sinned and then I had to get the forgiveness for the judge, let's say you had $5,000 on your credit card, you couldn't pay it, you go to court, and I'll say, listen, I will, I will cut my wrist and pour out a pint of blood right here to get this man off of his, his $5,000 debt. Let's imagine in some world that actually happened. Would you now just go and spend another $5,000 on your credit card if you knew it cost me, five, uh, you know, cost me pints of my blood? My friends, it cost Jesus his life. He was the sacrifice. He was the lamb slain for our sins. We should not take any sin lightly. Those who love sin hate God. Those who love sin hate God. Sin is what you do when you're not infatuated with God. When you are infatuated with God, you won't see anything else. Adultery is what you do, men, when you're not infatuated with your wife or waiting for the wife God has for you. Cheating and lying is what you do when you're not satisfied with the things God has given you. It's a heart issue. Are you listening? 
We have redemption. We have forgiveness according to the riches of his grace that's lavished on us. And then look at this. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. So there's a will of God not only for our lives but for the entire planet. And all the wisdom and understanding of God is found in that cross. I want everybody to look up at me, please. All the wisdom and understanding you will ever need to do your job starts with Jesus Christ and the cross. If you do not put God at the center of all you do, you will be a poor inventor. You'll be a poor doctor. You will be a poor mathematician. I feel sorry for you. You're just crunching numbers, but you don't know where numbers come from. You have to start with God, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I believe that some of the folly right now of our cultures because we're not putting God in the sciences where he used to be. He's not being placed, number one, in our medicine. I believe that the things that we can discover when we put God first will blow our minds. We can see another enlightenment period like they had in the 1600s when they did it all for the glory of God. Some of the greatest minds, those who came up with the scientific method, Francis Bacon, Sir Isaac Newton, who discovered physics and became the groundwork for every person doing physics today. These men had philosophies that were based in the Bible and they could be summarized like this. We reason in the sight of God. We reason in the sight of God, our creator. Wisdom. Wisdom to be a mother, a father, a baker, a candlestick maker, a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher. Understanding of your world and understanding of the world without and the world within. We need governmental leaders that have wisdom and understanding. We need your bosses. We need your employees to have wisdom and understanding and to know the mystery of God's will, the will of God, which he purposed in Christ. And here it is in summary. We're going to get to it next week as we read over a chapter next week because i got to put it all together, his one thought. The mystery is, is that after Adam and Eve fell, by the way, there's one race, the human race, through Adam and Eve. Then after the curse of Noah's flood, it was Noah, his wife, three children, their wives, a total of eight, their Here's the human race. We all came from Noah's eight and Adam and Eve. Is everybody listening? One race, the human race. But after that, God chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be his holy people. And that was known as the Israelite nation. So it was Jew and not Jew. Jew and not Jew. And so the world was divided that way according to God's plan so that the Messiah could come, fulfill the law, be a demonstration of God's justice, and then that all the nations might be discipled. And what Paul is saying here is now it's time for all the nations to come back home to Jesus. It's time for all the nations to become a new humanity. And that's next week's message is a new humanity. There is a new humanity that God is starting, and that is with born-again sons and daughters from all the races of Adam and Eve. I mean all the cultures of Adam and Eve. One race, the human race, but there is now a new humanity starting. And it doesn't matter. Listen to me. Everybody look up at me. Let's say we go in a time machine and we go to Rome. I, okay, my, my family comes from Italy, Rome. We show up there. Roman people aren't my friends. They're not my friends. Do you get it? I say, this is what the Roman soldier is going to say to me. Is Caesar God or is Jesus God? And I say, Jesus is God alone and Caesar is nothing but a man. I'm dying. Are you listening? We go back to your people. Uh, let's say Aztecs. Oh, I celebrate you on Indigenous Day. Oh, you're my friend. No, 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 no. Is this emperor your God? Is this emperor your God? You say, no, he's not. Jesus is God. We get our hearts torn out, set on fire, and sacrifice in front of that pyramid we all take selfies in front of. Are you listening? We show up to Africa. Oh, what's up, brother to the east? My brother to the east. Is this tribal leader your God? 
No, it's not my God. Jesus is God. Set him on fire. None of your cultures can save you. It's not about a man, but the God-man, Jesus Christ. Come to him and get all wisdom and understanding and know the mystery of his will. Somebody says, oh, I'm Norwegian. We're so nice. Let's go to the Vikings and ask them what, what we can do in their culture. See, my friends, it is Jesus and his way or no way at all. And the world has already drawn that out for us, haven't they? Don't put your hope in your culture. Put your hope in Jesus. To be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Every single nation will bow its knee to Jesus Christ. Don't feel sorry for me now. Don't have pity on me now because I'm not rich. Don't have pity on me now because I preach in a storefront. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm going to rule and reign with Christ longer than Bill Gates has ever owned anything. Bill Gates and his wealth, Trump and his wealth, Abu Dhabi and the prince's wealth of the Middle East is nothing but a speck of sand going through the hourglass of human history compared to the endless eternity in which I have in the kingdom of God. I I have an inheritance that cannot be taken from me. I double-dog dare some of you to put your mind on heaven so that you can be of earthly good. Don't you ever believe that you can't be on heaven and be of earthly good? They say, oh, don't be so heavenly-minded. You can't be of earthly good. I want to be so heavenly-minded I change the earth for good. That's what Jesus said. Set your mind on things above where your hope is. And on this earth, I have motivation to change the world. We can bring social justice like Reverend, Reverend Martin Luther King. We can bring hope to people, but I know my greatest hope is in Jesus Christ when he brings everything under the submission of his power. Amen. In him you were chosen, having been predestined. Somebody say he's talking about me. According to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. See, God's doing this because he's wanting to show off his glorious grace. He could have damned us at Adam and Eve, but he didn't. And he allowed evil to remain so that he may defeat evil for us. Some people say, why does evil remain here? Well, because you're evil, and if you remain here, God has to either send you to hell or save you and get the evil out. So somebody says, get rid of all the evil. And I said this before, let's get rid of you then and throw it out with the trash. So what is God doing instead of getting rid of evil in the people? Instead of getting rid of evil people, he's getting rid of evil in the people. And so we put our hope in Christ, which is for the praise of his glory. And look at verse 13. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Somebody say, this is the truth. You may not hear this on Oprah Winfrey's show, life lessons or life class, whatever she does, but this is the truth. Somebody say, this is the truth. Thank you. You were included in it. And it says, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. There we got God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So how does this all end? It ends as us being trophies of God's grace, displaying to the devil that God is good. So think about this. The last thing the devil and all sinners see is us being glorified in the presence of God. That's literally the last thing they see as they go suffer for eternity in hell. And I know that we talk a lot about hell here. That's because Jesus talked a lot about hell. And we need to understand what it says here, that we're God's possession and that we're saved. What are you saved from if you're not saved from death, hell, and destruction? Hello? 
Some people think salvation is just an upgrade. Well, I'm getting a new car. And you know, in the, in, the, in the car dealer, he said they got these new GPS systems built in there. It's an upgrade. It's a little extra money. Is it worth it, honey? Should we do that? Well, you know what? They got this minivan, but it also has a sunroof. You know, is the sunroof worth that upgrade? Some people think of heaven and salvation as an upgrade. That is if they don't do this the way we're talking about today, they'll still be all right in the end because they're good people after all. They don't murder. They don't steal. They take care of their kids. They pay their taxes. But God says no. There is no way to heaven except through Jesus. Listen to John 3.16, even our favorite scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not. You're already heading for hell right now. The judgment of God is already upon you. You just go to the very next scripture. In, in John chapter 3, verse 17, it says that we're already condemned. We're already condemned the moment we're born, as we're going to get into later. It says, for God did not send his, world, his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Now look at verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Somebody say already. They stand condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So what is salvation? Salvation is being saved from yourself, being saved from your choice to sin and to live in sin. And so God is being merciful to us. And it says he marks us with a seal, just like the kings in authority used to mark these documents with their wax seal to make sure that no one would open it without their authority. No one can take us out of salvation. Now, can we walk out of salvation? Yes, we walked in by faith. We can walk out through unbelief. That's what Judas did. But you see, then he quit. He quit. He committed suicide. But Peter did the same thing. But what's the difference is he got another chance. As long as you're living, there's another chance to come to Jesus. Amen? As long as you're living, there's a chance to come to Jesus. But here's the thing. Though I can walk away from my salvation, I don't like saying lose my salvation because that makes it sound like it was an accident, like I can lose my salvation, like I lost my keys. Or maybe I commit some sin and God doesn't like me and he kicks me to the curb. No, I can walk out knowing what I'm doing like Judas did, or I can stay in Christ. And as long as I'm in Christ, there's no devil in hell that can take me out of Christ. There is no situation that can bring me out. I am safe and secure, sealed by the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Now he gets into the praise of God. He starts to... Uh, excuse me, the prayer. The first part was his praise. Let me back up. Verses 1 and 2 is the introduction. Verses uh, 3 through 14 is the praise that Paul was given to God for salvation and all the wonderful things that salvation does for us. Now 15 and onward in chapter 1 is the prayer that he has for God's people. And it should be our prayer for each other as well. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith, let me say my faith. In the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer. So that's what he does. He's praying for them as their apostle, as, the, as their leader. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Do you see how this ties together? Does everybody get it? He starts off saying, I'm your apostle by the will of God. Grace and peace be unto you, God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. He says, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He predestined us for this, to be redeemed and set free, washed clean by his blood, to be holy. We are to do this until the coming of the ages when, when he brings everything under Christ and we're the trophies of his grace. He says, I'm praying for you now. I'm describing to you my prayer. And he says, I pray. Look at the Trinity here. I pray to God through Jesus by by the power of the Spirit, that you may have wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. So what is the purpose of having wisdom and revelation so that I may know God better? Nature is so that I may know God better. 
God gave us a garden so that we may know him better. Everything from a telescope to a microscope is so that I may know God better. What do they discover with telescopes and microscopes about God? God's in order and powerful and majestic and a designer. Everything that we have in fellow people, we learn about God. The image of God, yes, has been defiled. We're born sinners. But in every personality is a sparkle of the diamond of God's image. I learn about God through people. I learn about God through nature. I learn about God through my successes and failures, mountaintops and valleys. Things grow in the valley. Things are dead on mountains. But on mountains you can see. On valleys you can't see very far. I learn things from night. I learn things from day. Even night and day were before the curse. Now in the new heavens and new earth, there will only be day. But listen, there was lessons to learn in night and there was lessons to learn in day. What lessons are you learning in life about Jesus? What do you get from life that teaches you about Jesus? When you go to your job tomorrow, here's an easy one. Brother works with the garbage disposal company that takes these big uh, containers, moves them out. He learns about how to move trash in life. Isn't that powerful? He's helping keep our city clean. God does that in our lives, doesn't he? Gets the trash out, keeps our hearts clean. Working as a social worker. What are you learning about Jesus there? Every client you meet, you see a problem, you get to see Jesus as the problem solver. Every heartache, that, every heart that's broken, you can see Jesus as the heart healer. Stay-at-home mom, you see your children growing in the image and the knowledge of God. You are to know God better in all that you do. That's the prayer of Paul. Can't we just pause here for a few more moments and make sure that we get it? Because we're saved, and we're saved for a purpose. We're saved to know him better. And that doesn't just start in heaven. It starts now. Now let's keep going. He says, then I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know these three things. I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you to. That means you should never have a day where you feel hopeless because you know your hope is beyond the scope of human limitations. And then that you know the riches of his glorious inheritance. There's a glorious inheritance for you. And verse 19, number 3 and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Oh, that you would be enlightened, not by Buddha's teaching in a fortune cookie, but that you would be enlightened by the powerful Holy Spirit to the hope, to the riches of your inheritance, and to the power of God that's on the inside of you. This is the same power. He's going to preach a little bit now. He's like, you want to know the kind of power you have, Christian? This is the same power, the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. How many know that's powerful? And seated him in his, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed how many things? All things under his feet. Thank you. And appointed him to be head over how many things? Everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. God is using the church to fill everything in every way. First, in this age, we just look like a bunch of ordinary Christians filling up the earth, going to our jobs, going to be missionaries. We look just like everybody else. In the age to come, we will be like Thor to them. What you think is a guardian angel now will be a pale in comparison to what the sons and daughters of God look like at the resurrection. Angels were meant to be our servants. Some of you, if you saw an angel right now, you would want to bow down and worship it. When you see those angels, they'll be doing my assignments. Listen to me. Don't let your aunt get you to believe that you got to pray to an angel. 
God commands angels for us one day, and in the kingdom to come, they will be our servants. Are you listening to me? God's going to make us governors and rulers over the nations. We will rule with him on thrones. After Armageddon, there will be a large group of people that will still be alive. About 300 million will die in the battle of Armageddon, but then there will still be quite a large number of people alive. And time will go on as it has been for a thousand years. The only difference is Jesus is ruling literally in Jerusalem. The devil's literally in a pit with his angels, you can see. And the sons and daughters of God are in glorified bodies like Jesus was on the day of resurrection. Let's read verse 22 and 23 again and see if that's what you got out of it. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. Is anybody here in the church? Which is his body. Should we talk bad about the body of Christ? It's also called his bride in chapter 5 of Ephesians. Should we talk bad about Christ's bride? Come on, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Somebody say amen. Now look at your neighbor and say that was just the introduction. See, that's chapter 1. That's chapter 1. Do you get it? How many of y'all got it? Now watch this. Now watch what Paul does. you got to get it here because I'm going to be really quick. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. See, now Paul wants to remind them. In verse 1, he called them holy. In verse 1, he called them faithful. But he wants them to be reminded of where they were. He wants them to know, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. And and it's just in case you didn't think it applied to you, verse 3, all of us, somebody say all of us, thank you, all of us, even your sweet grandma, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of wrath. So just in case you think now that you're a Christian that you're just going to take the wheel from Jesus, kind of add some things into the Bible, take out some commands that offend you, he's just going to remind you right now who you are when you're not in Christ. In Christ, you're holy, blameless, perfect, without flaw, righteous and holy as he is. In Christ, that's what you are. Without Christ, you are dead. You are an object of God's wrath. As you think nothing of swatting a fly that's annoying you, God will think nothing of sending sinners to hell on Judgment Day. Some of you think on Judgment Day Jesus is crying. No, Jesus cried on Crucifixion Day or the day before when he wept over Jerusalem. On Judgment Day, he is not crying anymore. He is swatting like a fly those who have rejected his kingdom. Read Psalm chapter 2 and get the fear of God in your hearts. Listen to me. You are, innate, you are by your very nature an object of God's wrath. You don't sin and become a sinner. You sin because you are born a sinner. You deserve wrath. Every craving that you've had deserves the wrath of God. You don't think God takes sin serious? One sin brought the entire world into the destruction we're in now, and that sin was simply touching a fruit and eating it that he said not to. How many sins you got, sir? How many sins you got, ma'am? By nature, you are an object of wrath. You understand the bad news. Stay in Christ. Be faithful. You know what the last verse of Ephesians says? Grace and peace to to those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. By the time Jesus judges his church in Ephesus, in Revelation, which is about 30 years after the book was written, he's saying most of you have already lost your first love and you're about ready to go into judgment. Take this serious, friends. 
a church that Paul pastored, he gave them all of these nuggies. And within 30 years, the last thing he told them to remember was to keep their first love. That's the very thing Jesus says you are doing terrible at. You better watch out. Take this serious. Can I hear an amen? I know that he loves me, but he's also a judge. Amen? I know my best friend, David Montes, is in the military right now, taking care of ISIS, helping out in Afghanistan, doing what he does. I don't fear him having any weapon. He could have a tank right now as far as I care. It doesn't matter. I don't fear him at all. But if I was ISIS, if I was ISIS, I would fear him. I would get out of his way. I would make sure that when he comes to town, I am nowhere in that town. Are you listening to me? I love my father, but my father's a king and is a conquering king. Amen. But because of his great love for us, somebody say, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Come on, say it like you mean it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. I'm on that side of the cross. Amen. Praise God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. I always love to say it like this. It wasn't our human potential. It was God's love that saved us. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. Look at this. Not going to happen, but now, in that spiritual dimension, God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Are you ready to be the trophy of God's grace? Well, then start right now. Display God's kingdom on the inside of you to the world around you. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ. Galatians chapter 5, 21 and onward. The gifts are of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14, is the power of Christ. Display the character and the power of Christ. Show the world what heaven looks like from the inside out. Verse 8, 9, and 10. Are you ready for the closing? The closing's a lot longer than the introduction. For it is by grace. Let's just read all three verses. One, two, three. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Isn't that beautiful? I was saved by grace. You were saved by grace. Somebody may say, I really didn't need it like that. You need it the worst because you have the sin of pride. God doesn't save the self-righteous. He only saves the wretched and the miserable. I'm being honest with you. If you can't sing that old song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me, you can't get saved. Well, pastor, I wasn't that bad. Well, I'll tell you right now, you're pretty bad, probably the worst, because you have the sin of Satan, pride. Oh, but it's the ones who say, God, save me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me, oh God. Oh, it's against you and you only I've sinned. It's against you and your word that I've lied, I've coveted. I've disobeyed my parents. I've taken your name in vain. 
I've put other things before you. I've made idols out of my job and education and money. Oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That one is made a saint. That is the one that's made the masterpiece of God. The word handiwork is also masterpiece. Some of you might have learned it in the King James. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And yes, we do good works, but we're not saved by good works. Let's take a test. What first must happen? My son, Lucas, be born, A, or B, do good works to be born? What must happen first for my son, Lucas? Does he do good works to be born, or is he first born? What do you do first, become a Christian or do good works to become a Christian? You become a Christian. Let's try it again. What do you do? Do good works to become holy, blameless, perfect, and righteous? Or do you get made perfect, holy, blameless, and righteous and then do holy, blameless, and righteous things? I think you got it. Amen. It's like, how did he say that? I know I mess with you all too much. I know I ask you questions all the time. But isn't it good to learn things in church? Let's get some pictures to get the Revy here. You've read over a chapter and a half of the Bible. Isn't that awesome? You went to church today and you learned something. You know the good part about this kind of preaching is you can go back home and read your Bible and see that it's still there. You may forget the story about me as a child when my dog died in front of me. I could tell you that, make you all cry. You'll totally forget that in two weeks. It has nothing to do with the Bible, but I can tell you a sad story or something. But here's the deal. You can go back and study now and go, oh, yeah. I remember when pastor said that. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Hey, honey, let's pray about getting this new house now. We're going to stop renting, buy a new house. My kids asked me the other day, how do I know what I can have? And I said, it's very simple. You work hard, try, uh, try your best to work hard so you can afford things, and then pray, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and see if God wants you to have it. I can buy this phone, but i got to check with God to see if I need this phone. Because I can buy a lot of things that I don't need. I can go after my wants and not my needs and become in debt. So I work hard, and then I pray hard. And I say, God, what is for me? What house should I live in? What kind of clothes should I wear? How should I have a marriage in, in the financial area of my life? You know, all of these things. And so the idea is, let me ask you, as we've read all of this, what picture do you think Paul is preaching here to us? That we are going to gradually change ourselves over life, or this is who God makes us, and now he wants us to live like it? Which one do you see here? A self-help religion or a relationship that transforms your life? What do you see? I hope you see the, the life-transforming relationship. You are not on a progress bar. Little by little, Mike 3.16 says, God is saving me because when I do my part, he does his. When I do better, I become better. Everybody go, heresy. That's heresy. What does Ephesians 2.8 say? For it is by grace you have been saved. Past tense. It's done the moment you ask for it. You receive it. Through faith, not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Second flesh 2.11 says, you know, this is what our flesh says, God's still working on me, and one day I'll be who he wants me to be because nobody's perfect. Every time I pray, I get a little bit more saved. Every time I go to church, I get a little bit more saved. Is that what Paul's teaching in, in the book of Ephesians? Verse 1, I mean, let's just go back to it real quick as I keep that slide there. Verse 1 of Ephesians, let's see, is little by little God working on me? Let's go to the King James here so you can see it in Old English. Paul, an apostle of, Christ, of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Little by little I'm becoming a saint, pastor. Little by little. Little by little I'm becoming more faithful. You're a saint or an ain't. 
You're faithful or you're unbelieving. Which one are you today? Amen. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone. Where is the new? Thank you. The new is here. Are you a centaur? Now, ladies, I don't want to make you stumble. Okay? But are you a centaur? Half saint, half sinner? Well, on Sunday, pastor, I'm a saint, but on Monday, I'm an ain't. Is this what you are as the new creation of God? Is this how God makes us? Or does he make you the beautiful bride that he said that you were? Blameless, holy, without spot, and without wrinkle. I wonder if they can get that dress without wrinkles. Ephesians 1.4, listen to how he chose you in him. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Well, pastor, what happens if I do sin? I ask for forgiveness. And now you can't hold that against me according to God. Justice may need to be served. Murderers still need to go to jail and meet Jesus a lot sooner. Are you listening? I believe in the death penalty. There's penalty and consequences for sin. But before God in our soul, sin is dealt with the moment we repent. The blood of Jesus washes me clean. What can make me white as snow? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I want you to think about how we're in union. Are you getting some of that language today? Go back to Ephesians 1.3. Praise God. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who blessed us in the what? The heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Oftentimes we think we're alone and that God is not with us. But my friend, you are as close to God as the union of these two powers right here. I know it's a little new agey, but I just wanted you to get an image. You are as close to God as Jesus was in the hypostatic union to the flesh. Listen, as divinity met humanity in Christ Jesus is as close as divinity is inside of you right now. You participate, Peter said, in the divine nature. You are literally in Christ. You are with him in the heavenly realms. You and I are never alone. Are you getting those things from the messages? When we see what God is doing on the inside of us, we need to stop and ask ourselves, do we believe that we are who God said we are? Do we believe that we are the masterpiece of God? I gave you these scriptures a while back, but I want to just read a few to you now in closing. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I will remove from your heart of stone, remove that heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep all my laws. As the masterpiece of God created to do good works, who's going to move us to keep the laws of God? Who's going to do that? God is by the Holy Spirit, right? Who's going to use you to do good works? God. I don't have time to read them all. But Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore we've been justified through faith, having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody have peace with God today? Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 11. That's what some of you were. It talks about all these wicked things the Corinthian people were. It's almost like the people of Ephesus and Corinthian in the Roman Empire, Corinth, were seeing who was the most wicked and most pagan. Literally, pagan, prostitution, uh, you know, just the most vilest things going on in their culture. And, and Paul loves these people because they've come to Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Ephesus, they burned so much of their witchcraft, it was valued at over a million dollars. They went and burned it into Times Square. I just try to give you the, the idea of this. Imagine 
imagine the people at Disney World, nothing wrong with Disney World, but taking all of the, uh, the Mickey Mouse stuff and burning it right there in front of the castle saying, we're done with you, Mickey, we're done, you know? I mean, that's what it was. I mean, this was a huge source of income to them. This was their religious belief. It was a tower, uh, you know, a humongous building where they worship, and they're like there in front of this thing burning all of their stuff. That's what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. What were you? Somebody say, I was washed. Come on, say you were sanctified. Say, I was justified. Thank you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, talking about the masterpiece of God today from verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. We are his handiwork. Once again, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God. I just like preaching like this. We're going to get to Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. It says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. See, I'm not a half centaur, half man up here. I'm all saint, folks. I've taken off my old self. Anybody else do that? which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you have a new self? If you have a new self, how is your new self created? It's created to be like who? Like God in what? True righteousness and holiness. Remember I told you when I showed you the picture of union that you are as close to God as Christ was in the flesh to humanity? Listen to this. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. When the eternal Son of God took on the flesh of Jesus at the virgin birth, he was intertwined humanity with divinity. And now verse 10 says, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. How much of divinity filled up Jesus' body? Was Jesus half God, half man? He was 100% God. How much divinity, fullness filled up Christ? How much of Christ fills up you right now? Fullness. Fullness. That doesn't mean I'm God. doesn't mean I'm omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. It just means that the relationship I have with Christ is fullness. Fullness. Look at what Peter said, having purified your souls. How many have pure souls today? clear consciences by your obedience to the truth from for a sincere and brotherly love love one another from a pure heart how many have a pure heart today since you have been born again how many have been born again in their spirit today not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of god altar workers would you come please anybody that hasn't been born again anybody that doesn't have these things in their life today can by the grace of jesus just put your faith in him just say i believe that's all you have to do, and you'll be the masterpiece of God right now. Somebody say, Aona, right now. Boom, you're the masterpiece of God. November 5th, 1995, at my mother's kitchen table, I became the masterpiece of God. 2 Peter 1.4, through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the what? What are we participating in? What are we participating in? I'm going to say it till you believe it. What are we participating in? What are we participating in? One more time. What are we participating in? Amen. So you were born naughty by nature, an object of God's wrath. Now by the power of Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit and the Father's love, you can participate with the divine nature. You can dance with the divine, sir. You can dance with the divine man. You can join Christ on the divine romance and experience love like no other, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Why is it I don't believe in transubstantiation, the works-based religion of the Roman Catholics? 
the works-based religion of all other false religions, Islam, Buddhism, Mormonism. Look at what Hebrews 10, 14 says. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. How many times did Jesus have to die for me? One time. Was I perfected at the moment I accepted Christ, or am I still being perfected now? I was perfected at the moment I accepted Christ. For how long? How long am I perfected as long as I'm in Christ? How long? As long as I'm in Christ, I'm perfected. For how long, people? All time. And am I made holy right now, or am I waiting to be made holy? Christ died for me once. When I accepted him, I was perfected for all time, and I have been made holy. What is spiritual growth? What does it mean to grow from a babe to a mature Christian? It means to believe this and live like it. What does it mean for Lucas to grow up? Does Lucas become more of my son now that he learns to obey me in different ways? No. Lucas just grows in my nature more and more as he obeys. But the moment he was born, he was my son. The moment you were born again, you were the perfect son or daughter of God made holy by that sacrifice. Now you will learn to live perfect. I have an entire blog. Look it up on Online. All you got to do is go right here. I'm going to show you how to do it. All you got to do right here is put in perfect in the search engine, and you will learn the difference between being perfect and acting perfect. I'm not saying that I always act perfect, but I know Christ has perfected me. Can I hear an amen? I just want you to see how you can look up things so easily on our website. And it's the first one that came up. The difference between being perfect and acting perfect. How many think that would be helpful if you need have had some questions on that? How many think you have a good pastor today? How many think I should just preach this message now, part two? Are you all ready for this? <laughs> You're like, Pastor, I don't know what to say anymore. You asked me so many confusing questions. <laughs> oh, man, I love you guys. I have the best church in the whole world as a pastor. I'll just be honest with you. I'll just be honest. I'll just be honest. I don't know any other place I can do this. I do this in other places. They look at me like I'm crazy. I remember one time they asked me to, uh, I was going to say the name, but uh, I love people in this city. But they asked me to come preach at their church. And I, you know, wonderful time, great time. God was glorified. Lives were changed. It's not about me. Amen. It's about Christ. But uh, they asked me then to do a breakout. And they thought, like, you know, because they asked me to preach to youth and um, an evangelism message. And they thought when I did my breakout, I was just going to keep it on that level. We got so deep two hours later, they're like, what in the world are you doing? I'm like, I'm teaching you the Bible. I thought you were ready for this. I mean, you had me at the pulpit at the service. I thought now you all wanted to learn something. Do you know how many, I'm not even saying this other than God's grace. You know how many scriptures you just got today in church? I just read right here about 10 and you read through a chapter and a half. Are you full today on the word of God? Amen. Let's just close our eyes today. Focus on the one who saved us. Band, would you come? Lord, we need you. Because without you, we are nothing. Through you, we become your masterpiece. Think of it like this. Everybody has a God-shaped hole on the inside of them. Only Christ can fill it. Today, are you filled with Christ fully? Has he satisfied every part of your life? If you're in this place right now and you haven't done that, would you do it right now? I promise not to call you up. We'll dismiss and let you come up on your own. But just right now, if you haven't asked Christ into your heart, will you do it? You may say, Pastor, I don't know how. How do I do it? Well, here's all you got to do is say, I believe, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. You died on the cross for me. You rose again and are coming back. Come on, just say it like you mean it. And then just begin to confess your sins to the Lord and watch how easily Christ will forgive them and cleanse your heart and conscience. 
For the rest of us here, would you begin to ask God to show you your heart? Are you living as how he's called you to live? Or do you have things in your heart the Bible calls sin? Like pebbles in your shoe. You're a new creation, but you're walking it out with pebbles in your shoe. Be free. Or you may be defiled in some thoughts, things coming back as a broken record. Ask God to cleanse your mind. Ask God to make you who he's made you to be. Ask God to keep you who he's made you to be. A few more moments and then we'll dismiss. Let us pray right now privately. Altar workers will be up here as we dismiss to pray for any who want to accept Christ or to have prayer for help in living holy. Or if you have a need of sickness or something going on in your life, we'll love to pray for you. But right now, would you please pray privately? You and God, you make things new when you come into the room. They're just going to sing that softly as we pray. Just a few more moments. Don't be nervous. God is in this place. He loves you has a plan for you. He's predestined this thing to come about. Jesus. Jesus, change lives. Turn hopeless situations into hope in you. Turn broken situations into being healed in you. Right now right now in the name of jesus if you believe it today would you stand up and give the lord a hand clap of praise come on who can say amen to that who can say amen to a new life would you put up those closing words i want you to see this before we go these are the closing words that god has for you today you will never know who you are until you know who god is and what he made you for you will never know the beauty of who God made you to be until you know him. Would you leave out today knowing Jesus? Can we give God one more hand clap of praise? Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. If you would like to pray, come on up or worship. Other words, have a great day. We'll see you at Life Groups. Amen. We're going to just sing that melody. I'll put up the words, please. That's something have to go. You make all things new. Yes, you do, God. God bless those who have to go. Those who are receiving prayer, God is with you. You
to be every day.